Oh. <laughs> I just started recording, and then you just, you just heard your little squeak. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to Fitness Behind the Filter with me, Haley Irwin. And today we have another guest who I'm super excited to introduce. She is my best friend, and it is B Mitchell. So, Hi. <laughs> would you like to introduce yourself? Um. I'm B. <laughs> I, um, I compete in my spare time and I don't really know what else to say really to be honest. Um, yeah, just I'm Hayley's best friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's on the CV. <laughs> yeah. um, what do you do for a job? That's what you can talk about. Um, you are a part-time am... bodybuilder, aren't you? Yeah, um, I'm an event manager for a golf club in Titherington, which is in Cheshire. So I do that as like my full-time job. And then obviously on the side, I compete in bodybuilding. And that's how I met you, wasn't it? I remember yes. messaging you. So I have actually only been friends with B for like two years. Um, and everyone finds that really weird because obviously we have like clicked from day one. Um, but competing was how I met you. And I remember messaging you saying that I felt that you'd really changed or had like an epiphany do you remember what that message said I don't actually remember what it said I can't really remember but it was something along the lines like like has something happened like I just feel like there's been a switch like in how you are like you're glowing differently kind of thing yeah it was along those lines yeah so had something happened did you start glowing differently um I think at the time so I was with someone for two years or just under two years and it's ended very suddenly and I sort of went from having what I thought was everything to having nothing or what I felt was nothing at the time and I just thought I need to take control of the situation so I ended up leaving London and I moved up to Manchester which is what I had been wanting to do for a long time I just never really had a it's not the drive but like a reason maybe maybe more like a reason not to be in London rather than a reason to leave yeah um so I did that and I just felt like quite empowered by sort of making that decision I mean it was very hard and I was still hurting a lot but I just sort of decided to sort of take control of the situation and like do something to make myself feel better because I was so sad and unhappy at the time um so yeah, I think it was like part of the process of rebuilding myself and hence why I just felt a bit more like, I don't know, I just, I, I had started finding myself again. So yeah. probably why I, I just came across differently. Yeah, because obviously I didn't know you at that point, but just from your social media, just the way you were talking and speaking, um, as, as I said back then, it, it was just a complete change around um, and it was really nice to see. Um, so during this time when obviously you moved up to Manchester from London what did you learn about yourself? Um, how strong I can actually be like mentally um, I I think when you have your first proper like break up with someone that you think oh like you know they're the right person for me and all of this and when it comes as a surprise it just feels like your whole world is just like shattered um and it just taught me like how much stronger I was than I thought and I mean at the time I I was prepping as well so that gave me a reason to keep going 
Um, but I think it just sort of showed me how like I could just start over again, like without needing anyone. And that was quite empowering in a way. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So obviously let's backtrack, did, let's backtrack a little bit. Um, so when did you, cause obviously I know that you've suffered with, uh, mental health issues before yeah um do you do you feel like during this like stressful time and like causing you to move up was that um did that like have an effect did that bring anything back um and um, how did you find out when you first started having mental health issues I I would lived in London at the time and I just felt really sad all the time like I just didn't really want to get out of bed I just felt really down uh, I wasn't sleeping but then again like all I wanted to do was sleep um, and I think I just felt very lonely and isolated in London like I didn't really have many friends um, and I don't know I think maybe like I'd prepped for the first time like maybe the come down of like not having a you know a goal like a show and like to look forward to and that that played a bit of a role in it I'm not quite sure I just felt like really lonely and isolated and the more I felt like that the more I was isolating myself because I didn't want to do anything so it just made it worse um I did go to um the doctors um to discuss it and they just put me on medication like straight away they were just like they did like a test on me like you just need to you know say from like you know I don't know like from one to ten how do you feel kind of thing um and um yeah they were, it was just like oh yeah you're you know you're depressed and have got anxiety like just out of a test that you do there and then um and I just felt a bit like well I didn't really want to go on the medication just because I didn't feel like it was gonna help especially when the results were just from a like a very basic test um mm, sounds familiar <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so yeah, I just I just didn't really feel like it was right. And obviously I said I would like to explore other options and they referred me to a group cognitive therapy. Mm-hmm. And I went once or twice. I just was like quite open-minded about it. And I just hated it. I honestly just, it made me worse. Like being in a room with people that are worried about, you know, getting on a train and be, being sat next to someone that's got like a bomb in their bag. It was just something that I couldn't relate to. Like they're worries and anxieties were triggered by something quite irrational whereas yeah. I was just deeply deeply sad like there wasn't anything that was particularly triggering it it was just like this feeling of sadness um so I just I couldn't relate to it so I went back to my GP and then I started the process to go to one-to-one therapy um so then I ended up doing that so I had like 12 sessions I think it was um, How often? every week so once a week uh, for 12 weeks. So And how did you find I, that? It was very hard. It was very hard because we had to talk a lot about my childhood and my upbringing and my relationship with my dad, especially, and how that's impacted my relationship with my mom and how my mom sees me. And it was quite hard to sort of delve into that and like get a bit more of an understanding as to why I felt the way I felt and why I interacted and communicated with people and formed relationships with people based on that 
Um, and it was hard because I had to take a look at myself as well, which is never easy. It's always like, well, I feel sad, but I don't know why. But then, you know, Pat, my therapist at the time was always like, okay, I understand how you feel, but how are you going to look after yourself? That's what she kept saying to me. And I was like, I don't know. I just want you to fix me. I don't know how I'm going to look after myself. Tell me how like, to look after yeah. myself. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh yeah, like it's all well and good that you do this, for, you know, for your partner and you, you're worried about your dad and your mom and this and that. But what about you? What about B? Who looks after you? Who looks after how you're feeling? Mm. So it was quite good that during that hour, that was me. That was me looking after myself. So yeah. I think after that, like it just, that was pre-breakup. But I think I made that a priority after my breakup because I was in a relationship where I came last. Like my ex-partner um, at the time suffered really badly with mental health. And my priorities and how I felt just got completely pushed aside. So when he broke up with me, as hard as it was, it was a really good opportunity for me to rebuild yeah. and put myself first and do what makes me happy and you know if something isn't making me happy remove myself from the situation and don't get me wrong sometimes it's still not easy but I think I sort of had to learn that as a result of it yeah you've you've well and truly mastered that in my opinion um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah like I said you've done so well and you've come so far um, so in those therapy sessions, were you aware that your childhood had impacted who you are now? And if you don't mind going into a little bit about like, not everything about what happened, but a few bits and how that's sort of led into later life. Like, I think, I think I did realise like, but I didn't realise how much, um, like my relationship, sorry, my relationship with my dad is quite fiery. Um, we're very similar but also very different and we argue a lot and when mum and dad separated I used to live with my dad and the only way of communicating that we had was like shouting at each other that's the only way I knew how to communicate and like he would always make me feel guilty about going to see my mum and stuff like that and just very much emotionally blackmail me mm -hmm. which I think it's very hard because you want to love your parents but at the same time, you, how they're making you feel or how he was making me feel was just like, my brain was like, what am I doing? Like, I yeah. want to love him because he's my dad, but he's hurting me so much. And I think as a young child, well, as a young adult, you don't really get an understanding of that. And obviously that is inevitably going to carry over into your adult life. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the more time I spend away from home <laughs> and the more grown up I've become the better my relationship with my dad has been but you know he is quite a challenging person and he's got a very sort of difficult personality and you know he's got his demons and that's how he deals with them but I just decide to remove myself from the situation just for my own peace and sanity um, and I think I've learned how to like love him without having to be that involved Yeah, with him, if that makes sense. Yeah, you've almost been able to remove yourself and instead of trying to fix everything and be there all the time. Yeah, you know, because that was always my thing or like, what can I do? Like, how can I help? And 
what can I do to help him? What can I do to fix him? And each person has to, you know, work on themselves. Nobody else can do that for them. And I think that was sort of a big part of it, like learning that and learning to let go of me trying to fix everything around me. Yeah, definitely. So do you feel like your relationship with your dad has impacted like your relationships or who you find yourself with or who you used to find yourself with um, and all of that sort of thing? I think it's impacted in the way that I'm, I'm very much like the carer in a relationship because Mm -hmm. with my dad, I was the adult, even though I was like, you know, eight years old at the time when they separated like my dad was so emotionally fragile that I adopted that adult role in our relationship Mm. so I think I'm always going to have that element in me of being someone that just cares for someone and like I think I've gotten better and not trying to fix people but I think there's there's always going to be that in my sort of makeup that that's who I am as a person yeah which is a good trait but also (laughs) (laughs) yeah 100% um and then obviously you had a very difficult relationship with your ex-partner who struggled a lot with mental health and, and again you became that carer yeah um do you think that relationship that you had impacted sort of like following relationships yeah definitely and I think it just made me very, at first, quite wary of like opening up to someone and just like letting people in, mm-hmm. just because I felt like I had, I was left with nothing and I didn't want that to happen again. Yeah. Um, so it was quite hard for me. And I wouldn't want it, there was a lot of trust issues. Um, but I don't feel like that's carried over into any of my, you know, other relationships just because that's not who I am as a person. And I just, I am very trusting. I, I think that, you know, if someone wants to be with you, they'll obviously make the effort and they'll respect you. Um, but I do think that it had an impact in the sense of like letting people in. Maybe I'm just a bit more standoffish and I've kept, or try to keep my independence to a degree obviously like you're in a relationship and you have you know you have things in common and you want to share a lot of things with your partner um you know and like with James I do a lot of stuff with him and like we you know we have such a good laugh together which is amazing but I do still think like sometimes I do sort of you know have my friends on the side which I think is as important which I hadn't in the past so I've made that a priority as well because mm. I don't want to allow myself to just be completely isolated yeah and I actually really noticed that so that's the beauty of obviously me being best friends with me is that I have other experience <laughs> that I can call on but I remember when you first got together with James so prior to that me and B used to speak on the phone for an hour every single morning and when you got together with James that didn't stop even when he was there and I remember thinking, like, that's so lovely that you haven't sort of pushed, not pushed me aside, but you've still prioritised no. me. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, of course. And, and I think because, you know, I mean, me and James talk about everything, you know, like, it's like, we are friends. 
<laughs> do you know what I mean? It's not yeah. just like, oh, we're, you know, we're partners. Like we do talk about everything, but it's important for me that I have other re- friendships outside of that because it just keeps me grounded and just gives me like different perspectives on different things. Like, you know, I might say something, he'll go, well, I don't agree with this or especially when he says I don't agree with this, I'll come to you because you'll be like, oh yeah, I agree with it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, James. No, but it- then you'll go oh well I think oh, sorry that just cut out can you repeat that yes yeah, sorry I just said like it's good because he'll say well I think you should do this or I agree with this and then I'll come to you and you'll go oh yeah I agree with James and I'm like well I don't agree with either of you <laughs> or <laughs> I, you'll say oh no I don't agree I, I would do it this way or I think this what x y and z and the same with Nick for example or Josh you know it's I've got people around me that I can sort of you know speak to and like it just keeps me like grounded and quite gives me like different views on things which I think is very important Mm, definitely it's so good to have like a not necessarily a big circle but people who you can really trust their opinions of yeah I agree and do you think that was what was lacking sort of like in the past yeah I think so I, I just felt like very isolated to be honest and I think the less I did stuff, the less I wanted to do stuff and the more consumed I became in the relationship. Yeah. It's all a big which, snowball, isn't it? Yeah, which isn't positive because obviously when it ended, I was just left with nothing. Well, obviously I wasn't left with nothing, but it felt like that at the time. Yeah. So obviously um, when you ended, ended at the end, um, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously you are a very caring person. And yeah. obviously your, your role in that relationship was almost being a carer. At what point did you decide to cut the ties? Like, and how did you reconcile that? Because I'm sure there's like a lot of people who are listening who are in toxic relationships who aren't aware of how to get out, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I didn't realise how toxic my relationship is until we'd gotten back together. So he broke up with me and then a couple of months later we got back together which in all honesty you know hindsight is a beautiful thing but mm. it shouldn't have happened um but I was trapped I guess in a way and because I care about someone it, I, I found it very hard to break away from that mm. um it got to a point where I just said I actually don't feel the same anymore um and I knew he was just with me because it was comfortable Mm. like he is someone that struggles a lot with mental health um, and that's not for me to discuss so I don't really want to go into it um but I just think that he just didn't know what he wanted um and I just said well I don't want to be with someone that doesn't know what they want because I need to be made a priority yeah um and it was quite a hard but easy decision to make and unfortunately he wasn't able to move out for about three months after that happened, four months. So it was very, very difficult to have someone in the house that you don't want to live with, that you, you know, you just have nothing in common with anymore. Mm. But at the same time, because his mental health wasn't great, I still felt like I was caring for him and making sure he was okay. But I was like, but this isn't my responsibility anymore. And then I was getting annoyed at myself for doing it but I couldn't stop myself from doing it and then I just said to them one day I said you've got four weeks to move out because this 
is damaging damaging me and my mental health and you'd got to breaking point by that point can I add like I mean yeah I'd had enough and I just couldn't bear the thought of him being in the house I just wanted him gone every time I came in and he was having a bad day and he was in bed I was like this is just I cannot I cannot deal with this anymore and I just said need to pack your bags and go and at that point I was done with it and it was still hard after it moved out I feel like I still had that, you know, odd text going on, this and that. And even when he was in another relationship, I had a message going from his girlfriend at the time going, he's gone missing. Like, I don't know what to do. And it was like, how is this, you know, how is this happening? Like, still, why am I still involved? Mm. And when this happened, me and James had only just started, like, sort of seeing each other. And James was like, "You, you need to put an end to this because if you want to progress you know, in your life, in your relationships, you cannot be carrying this into it. It's just going to be so damaging. And I was just like, but I don't know how to do it. But I just didn't know how to just, I just felt so responsible still. Mm. Because I was like, if anything happens, I'm the only person that knows what to do. Or I can't have it on my conscience. That if, that, that if was what I was going to say. You said it, that to me so many, because I said to you a lot, didn't I? I was like, you need to (laughs) 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 but you said like I can't have it on my conscience yeah which is awful because at the end of the day it's not your responsibility like you can't be held responsible for what someone does in like such as that um and I just I just sent a message and I said I can't do this anymore I am completely removing myself from this please do not contact me. I'm going to contact your family for them not to contact me either. I am completely done with it, completely. Mm. Because it was just, and it honestly felt like a weight off my shoulders. It was so, it was just such a weird feeling, like so sad, but so, such a, you know, relief at the same time. Yeah. You know, because, I, and in my head, I was like, why is it taking me so long? Why have I why have I put up with it so long? But you know, you never learn. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, I think it does it, take to get to breaking point sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, and I didn't love him. You know, and to be honest, like I I have no sort of feeling towards him anymore and didn't at the time. So that why that's why when I did it, I was like, right, it's done, thank God. Yeah, you know, and I think it's hard as well, like getting to that point of realizing, well, I don't, I don't have any, I didn't even hate him. I, didn't, I just, I was just so over the whole thing that I was like, thank God, mm. you know, and it sounds awful, but unless you've gone through it and you've gotten to that point of going, enough is enough, you won't understand what I'm saying. And obviously, it's not for people to understand because each person has their own you know experiences and lives through them differently but obviously for me um that was sort of that was that yeah and like you said it's one day you do just kind of wake up and and you're just like I can't do this anymore I've had enough um yeah and and you do make that change so yeah just before you went through this breakup you got a boob job or a breast augmentation sorry yeah (laughs) I did <laughs> two weeks before the breakup. 
<laughs> not dreams. <laughs> not dreams. No, but honestly, it's the best kind of money I've ever spent on my, on myself. Oh, I was gonna say. So, talk to me about it. What made you get it? I mean, I know, I, but was it a confidence thing? Was it for the stage? Was it for it your relationship? No, it was never for the stage. I'd, I'd inquired when I lived in London pre-competing about having it done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just never really like, I was just like, oh, I don't have the money and this and that. Like, I think I always found an excuse to not do it. Um, I mean, it's a big thing. You are changing something in, in your body for the next 10 years. So it is a big deal. Um, and I'm so glad you said that because when I was in my relationship, he- he said, oh, I don't want you to do it. So I was like, well, I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for me. Mm. Um, and I think at that point, it's obviously the relationship was pretty much, you know, on its last, <laughs> on its dead end, really. But, um, <laughs> you know, I just, I, I wasn't doing it for anyone. You know, I wasn't doing it for anyone else. I was doing it for me. Like, it had been a long, long time. You know, my mum said, you've been going on about this for years. Just do it it's going to make you so much happier. Just do it. Mum was like all for it. Like, yeah, I'll come and look after you. Yeah. Oh, bless her. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah, it was like, it was amazing. It was like one of the best things I've ever done. So yeah, don't regret it one bit. Um, so what made you finally go, I'm going to get it done then? When, because I wasn't competing last year, I thought this is the right time to do it because mm. I've got plenty of time off. I don't have to rush back in to get into training. I can recover. Like I'm not on a, you know, oh, I need to be back in six weeks because I'm, you know, then starting dieting or whatever. I was just like, it's just the right time. I will, you know, I'm in a secure job. You know, I'm, you know, I know I can afford it. I know I can afford the repayments on it. You know, I just felt like it was the right time. For me to, and I just felt like I was ready like mm. mentally ready to accept that change I guess yeah so, so yeah. I'm so glad that you said it was a big deal because I feel like you are one of the only people that I've spoken to who emphasizes the fact that it's a big deal and it, I don't mean on the podcast I mean sort of like in face-to-face um and you were really yeah. nervous about it weren't you At, like beforehand obviously because it is yeah. major surgery uh, what would your advice yeah, or what would I was you really say nervous. to any girls who are considering getting it done do your research don't go abroad (laughs) (laughs) like it's worth paying more to get it done in the UK just if anything goes wrong just for follow-ups it just it's worth spending the extra money like don't go somewhere because it's what people do like look at the surgeon sort of portfolio of you know cases and what they specialize in and obviously find the right fit for you um i think girls are just like oh that's what i want to do and i'm desperate to get it done so i'll just book it and go and you know i had three consultations before my surgery because i was just like i just wanted it to be right i wanted it to be the right size the right fit i wanted it to be the right surgeon you know and reza the surgeon dr masab was amazing the hospital were amazing you know the nurses everyone was just fantastic and from day one it just made me feel so at ease that I knew it was the right decision and I did a lot of shopping around like I had phone calls with different surgeons or you know consults um in different places and it just you know it it just felt right from the moment I'd met him Mm. so so yeah 
Oh, and it okay. is a big deal because you are putting something in your body that's going to stay in your body for 10 years. And this is what girls don't realize. Like, oh yeah, I'm going to go, you know, you know, 400, 500 cc. And I'm just like, you do realize this is going to stay in your body for 10, up to 10 years. You know, look at yourself for 10 years time. Do you want to have like triple Fs? Maybe not. Mm. So, you know, I think people forget that it's a long term decision. It's not like reversible. You know, when they take the implant out, you can have to go bigger if you want more implants. You know, and if they take them out and you don't put anything in them, they're going to be saggy because you've stretched the skin so much. Like, there's yeah. so much to think about. And I just feel like girls just completely bypass that. It's like, oh, I want it done now because I want them to look this way now. But how you look now, you know, whether it's stage lean, a peak of your off season isn't going to be like that all the time. You should be aiming for a look that's, you know, that carries well across mm. all, you know, weights and <laughs> seasons, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you think it's improved your confidence as a person or do you think you already had that? I think I was quite a confident person, but I think, I never felt like a woman in clothes. I am a very, very small person. And I just felt like I never filled out clothes or anything. I just felt like it made me feel like a woman. Mm -hmm. Like, I just felt really confident and more like an adult woman rather than like a, you know, 18-year-old girl. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it just really, really improved my confidence in that respect. And just made me feel really like, happy in my own body not that I wasn't but it's just I think that and a combination of like really embracing my off-season body just Mm. made me feel amazing about myself like it was just like the 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 safe had been unlocked the moment I had my surgery I'd I'd gone through a breakup I'd had my surgery I was loving how I was looking like in the off-season and it was just like the perfect match it just weirdly all fell into place yeah. And it was just like, I just bloomed. And, you know, like, you can speak to my mum about it. She'll be like, she'll be like, this is the best thing you've done. Oh, that's so nice. The breakup and the boot job. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was going to yeah. talk about that because obviously bodybuilding is renowned for having issues with the off-season look etc um yeah. how do you feel like you embrace that a little bit more do you think it was just because of your boob job or do you think no I was I was really really happy in my off-season show like last year um I struggled with it I stayed really lean post-show up until like December January so three months post-show and I did struggle with it initially a bit like when I put on I was like oh wait a minute I'm back to not being that lean but then all of a sudden I was like, I love it because I was, I just felt so good in clothes mm. and I was going out, I was doing stuff. I just felt a lot more sociable and I felt strong and I just, I, I hadn't had an issue with how I looked at all last year. I think the more you do it, the more you get used to it and the more you understand there's a purpose behind it. But yeah, I just loved it. I, I, I honestly just like look back and I thought, oh, yes, I loved how I looked there. I just felt really, really confident in myself. Do you think Probably that was more partly to do now. with how much of a better place you were in mentally? Because obviously the way that you feel mentally kind of impacts how you view your body to some extent. 
yeah and I think in a way it did and as I said like I think the more you do it the more you get used to that that is actually normal like being lean isn't normal and this is why when people go oh like off season I hate off season or I hate being fat I'm like a you're not fat and b mm-hmm. this is what normal is and you're still like so much leaner than like the general public yeah you know, like people's perceptions of like being lean and this and that and like I mean I'm like two and a half weeks out and I'm like I'm dying do you know what I mean like I'd much rather be deep in the off season getting ready to go and eat a pizza this evening after I've finished you know a 10 o'clock shift you know obviously everything has its own place and there's yeah. a reason why I'm doing what I'm doing now but you know I I enjoy both sides of it. I mean, maybe like the blisters on the feet from doing cardio, I don't enjoy so much, but (laughs) (laughs) you know, like I do enjoy, I enjoy the off season for certain reasons. And then obviously I enjoy the prep for other reasons. Yeah. But I think I find a very good balance, but obviously I've done it for four years now. So it is, and I've also, I have to mention that I've never had a a bad relationship with food Mm. or poor body image. Obviously, I've gone, oh, I wish I could lose a bit of weight here or there. Or I wish I had a six-pack. But I've never gone, I hate how I look. I've always felt quite good in my own body. Yeah. So I understand that's not the case for the majority of people that compete. So obviously, I can't say, well, this is how you should feel. Because I understand that for a big part of the competing community, that is not the case. Yeah. But that's just your experience. You can only comment on your experience. Exactly. Yeah. So throughout the four years you've competed, you've shown so much mental resilience. And I think this year is definitely no exception. (laughs) Prepping through Corona um, and the uncertainty with shows and things like that. um, Can you talk about a little bit about your experience, like previously with competing and prepping versus this year? um, Yeah. I mean, I prepped in 2006. 17 I started prep um, and halfway through I changed coaches and restarted prep essentially and um, I started coaching with Josh after quite a bad experience um, with a previous coach Um, and it was fine like I just don't think like looking back I wasn't even that lean you know obviously the criteria changes like yearly and people get leaner and leaner and leaner and the class changes so you know it's at the time I mean I placed fifth in the country or sixth in the country so what it couldn't have been that bad yeah um, <laughs> and then 2000, 2018 was my second year prepping with Josh and it was hard especially like because I moved across the country at the beginning I didn't have a job so I was like stressing about that and my body was just like screaming at me as well I was doing a lot of cardio I mean <laughs> I'm talking like 75 minutes a day <laughs> but luckily and you were putting on weight can I just add I know God. and between my qualifying and British final which is six weeks between or seven weeks between the weight started coming off me to the point that Josh was giving me like burger and chips every weekend I was like yes finally <laughs> this um, is living so it was yeah so it was actually a lot easier to prep between my qualifier to finals um than it was to get to the qualifier this year we started a very slow prep and I started maybe like in April obviously we didn't know how long COVID and lockdown was going to go on for but 
we started prepping quite sort of slowly um, and I was still allowed like one off time meal at the weekend I think obviously with the uncertainty we didn't really want to go aggressive because there was no point mm-hmm. um, but I mean if you think about it I've been dieting since like April and it's now halfway through October <laughs> <laughs> so, it's been, so it's been a very long prep it's been very tough we've had to push a lot I'm not doing as much cardio as I have in the past but I am doing a lot more steps and my food is quite low. Um, Josh knows how much he can push me and how I will just get it done. Mm. Um, you know, like, I mean, I did message him to say, oh, my feet are bleeding because I've got a really bad blister. But there's nothing he can do because I've still got steps to do. And he could say, oh, well, you can do your cardio on your bike, but you're, you know, 15 and a half thousand steps or whatever you're still going to have to do. So kind of like, what is the point in even saying anything? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and me and Josh have a very good coaching relationship, obviously with friends, but I think it's more of a, what do you think about this? And he'll go, yeah, I agree. Or, I mean, me and James put a bet in every Friday before my check-in on Saturday and I'll go, I think he's going to do this. And then he fucking does it. Um, like <laughs> that's how long I've been coaching with him that I just know his next move because inevitably you're going to pick up on those things and you're just going to know, and you, you know your body as well. And you know what needs to happen. So, you know, it, it is very tough. And, you know, I am very tired. But I think, you know, when you've got a goal in mind, you just keep going and keep going. I mean, yeah. Prep is a different ballgame, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like a lot of people say, oh, I don't know how you stick to it. I don't know how you do this. But it, it's just a completely different thing when you've got that goal, like you say. Yeah, 100%. So what is your goal within competing? Hopefully to turn pro. I mean, it, that was the goal for this year. That's why I had time off. Mm-hmm. The goal was, you know, like get on stage this year and turn pro. Obviously, I'm still doing a couple of shows. It may not be possible. Um, you know, I am very realistic about it. Like, I understand, like, you know, you need exposure. They need to see you on stage. You know, you might, you know, it's very rare that you step on stage and you get it the first time you step on stage in a different federation. I mean, I could be wrong. Like, I could get on stage and they be like, that's exactly what we're looking for. I don't know, you know, but I'm not in a rush. Obviously, like, it would be amazing to get it this year because, you know, that's, I stepped on off stage last, last time going, right, that's not, next, that is it kind of thing. Yeah. But you know if it doesn't happen this year and it happens next year then it happens next year you know it's that's what I'm working towards whether it takes six months whether it takes another 18 months from here then you know so be it um I think people just want very immediate results and stuff that comes very quick yeah um and unfortunately very very there's a very small minority where that will happen but for the rest of people, you know, you're going to have to work hard and keep showing up and keep improving, take the feedback, go again, and then, you know, eventually get to that point. But, I mean, it's not my – I enjoy it so much. Like, if you said to me you can't compete ever again, I'd still do what I'm doing. Mm. You know, and I think people need to ask themselves that question. If I wasn't stepping on stage, would I still eat the way I do? Would I still train the way I do? Probably not because people wouldn't have a goal. You know, and for me, if it's going to take me another 18 months from where I'm at now, then so be it. Bring it on. You know, obviously, eventually that is the goal. But then, you know, then you're, you know, in a different league and then you're starting all over again. So it's like it never stops. 
Um, but I'm not in a rush to do it. Obviously, I'd love it for it to happen this year. Um, but, you know, I'd, I'd love to be Josh's first bikini pro. Yeah. You know, but it may not be this year. It may be this year, you know, you don't know. So you just need to, you know, keep your head down and keep doing what you're doing. And, you know, turning pro is part of the process. It's not the reason why. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think people forget that. They go, oh, well, I'll go to this coach because they've got so many pros. I'll go here, this team, because X, Y, and Z. I'm like, well, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Yes. Preach it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So... <laughs> We actually had this conversation earlier, didn't we? Yeah. And yeah, so I we, think you just need to rip, make sure that you are in love with the sport and that in love with the process and not just the idea of it. Yeah, I agree. So I think that's sort of, and I think with the presence that can people have in social media and how available, you know, this new federation has made pro cards to people because obviously before... It was once a year and it was to the discretion of the judges. It wasn't even whoever won the overall. People mm. that won the overall didn't necessarily get the pro card, which I think is very positive that there's more pro cards going. But I think people think, oh, they're a lot more accessible. Yeah. So I want to do it. And it's like, you, you, can you even stick to a diet? You know, can you even follow a training plan day in, day out for six months, eight months? You know, can you stay in the surplus for 18 months to do what? And a lot of people just know, but they just see that instant reward. Oh, that's what I want to do. Yeah. But they just don't see what it takes to get there. I completely agree. And I think until you've lived with someone or gone through it yourself, it's very hard to understand the depth yeah. that you actually have to go to. Yeah, I agree. And I think people don't see it. Obviously, I see you do cardio and, you know, train and like, diet and get leaner but I think that extra percentage that you need to do in and out of prep to get where you need to be not everybody sees and not everybody understands yeah so, so yeah very true so do your years of competing has that influenced your decision to potentially become a coach yeah I think obviously like I'm surrounded by people because that's what they do and me being the kind of person I am and wanting to care for everybody <laughs> and wanting to help people, it's something that I've thought about a lot. Um, I am actually doing my level two and level three at the moment. Um, I've kind of like on strike with it because I need to write a program for like a disabled person, an elderly person, a pregnant lady, and like a 14 year old. And at two and a half weeks out, I just don't have the mental capacity to do it because <laughs> you have to do it in a way to pass. You don't have to do it in a way like I'd program someone to train a certain way, whereas what they're expecting is like 10 minute warm up on the treadmill and like two machine exercises, two, you know, free weight exercises, two body weight exercises, 10 minute cool down on like an elliptical, for example. Yeah. And to me, I'm like, that is just not training. But I need to leave that aside and actually do what they're asking me to do. But right now, I just don't have the mental capacity to do it. So I am doing it and I'm hoping to be fully qualified in the new year. So obviously then that's sort of my next venture. Yeah. I remember going through the process myself and like giving the answer to my mentor. And he was like, that is the right answer, but it's not the right answer I'm looking for. He was like, you need to just <laughs> tell them the like what, the what they want to hear. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. 
And I just realised you literally are surrounded by coaches, like four coaches. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, I know. <laughs> yeah. So I what do you think? Itchy feet. Pardon? I said I'm getting itchy, itchy feet. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and sore feet. <laughs> yeah, very. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think you could bring to the table for clients that potentially other coaches haven't? I think I'm very empathetic. And I always try and understand why someone is feeling the way they're feeling and help them understand that as well. Like, I do that with James a lot. I'm like, what's up? And he's like, nothing. I'm like, no, no, no. What is actually up? Like, talk to me. Yeah. You know, and sometimes people are just like in a mood or like feeling a certain way, but they don't know why. And I'm actually quite good at helping people backtrack. Like, oh, this has happened in my day. Okay, well, maybe it's this. And sort of pinpoint that bit more so they can take control of why they're feeling the way they're feeling because it's quite hard to control how you feel if you don't know why you're feeling the way you're feeling Mm -hmm. you know and a lot of it like people will be more adherent to a diet and to training if they're in the right frame of mind you know like they could love their diet and they could love their training plan but if you know they've had a really bad day at work or at home or whatever it is they still won't do it because not everybody is made up like us competitors. Yeah. You know, so and true. I think it's important to understand, like, you know, for gen pop, it is okay to have 80%, 20% diet, you know, like allow a bit of flexibility, make it a bit more adherent. And I feel like people, some coaches out there are just like, no, this is how it is. If you don't stick to it, it's because you don't want it bad enough. And I think, I'd be quite good at understanding right here. Well, why they're not stuck to their diet? If it's everything they like is on there, you know, and I'm setting them a step out that's achievable, but why they're not sticking to it? There's something else mm. because that, that everything on that food plan is what they've said they enjoy. So yeah. there must be a, you know, a reason why. So, so you are very good at that. You are very good at making people understand <laughs> what's affected them and how far things have gone yeah even if you don't want to hear it (laughs) even if you don't want to hear it (laughs) I can testify for that um (laughs) so just to finish off the uh Q&A I'm going to ask you the questions that I ask everyone um so if if you could remove one post from Instagram what would it be or one thing you wish you'd never said on social media what was that Hello. Can you hear me? Sorry, just got cut off then. Oh, that's weird. Um, so if you could take any post down from social media or remove anything that you've said before on a story or something, what would it be? Uh, making my breakup so public. That would definitely be it. I think I made a bit, very big deal on social media about it because I was so hurt and I didn't understand why. And I think that was my way of dealing with it. But I think... I put such a negative message out there. I was just in such a negative mindset that it just wasn't nice in to follow. Yeah. Yeah. I think it just wasn't nice to follow or to be want to be a part of. Mm. And I actually had someone message me going, I'm sorry, I had to unfollow you because I'd just gone through a really bad breakup and just seeing you upset and so down just really brought me down. Oh, really? And I was like, wow, yeah. And I was just like, do you know what? Fair play. 
because I was in such a negative headspace that I just wish I hadn't. I think it dragged me down more. I made myself worse by doing so. Mm. So, so yeah, that would be it. <laughs> and if, um, what's one post that you always wish that you had written at a specific time? Um, I think after British finals, 2018 I wish I would have been more grateful um when I posted post-show I was I was actually very unhappy with my placing and I think that came across on a post and I just wish at the time I would have been more happy and obviously I wasn't happy with my placing but I just wish I'd been more grateful for what I'd achieved because Mm. it is a very big achievement so so yeah oh that's a really good one (laughs) so thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it where can people find you um you can find me on instagram and it's b mitchell 22 um there's plenty of chicken pictures and cat pictures so (laughs) (laughs) our puddings our best friends they don't know it yet (laughs) yeah i know (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it thanks for having me thank you bye bye bye